Greetings, and welcome to the FPC Sermon Reprisal. This is the sermon that was given the past Sunday, and we offer it here in podcast form for your listening enjoyment. Today, we get to hear God's word from our own Fred Hartstuck. If you have been around, Fred is the director of The Garden, our college and university outreach. If you've been around here for any time at all, you know that Fred's a great guy. You know that he is both smart and funny, which is a powerful combination. You know that he smokes a mean brisket. You know that he is father to possibly one of the cutest children on this earth. Um, You know that he loves Jesus, but you already know that he is a gifted communicator. So you know that we as a body are in for a special treat whenever we get to hear God's word um, proclaimed through Fred. So let's settle down. Let us put on our um, open hearts and open minds as we listen to what God has given and passed on to Fred to share with us. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, we're so thankful to have Fred as a part of our community. We pray that you will be um, just giving him words to say as he encourages and blesses our body, that he might speak your word to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's have a big FPC welcome for Fred Hartsuk. Wow. Such, uh, I hope I can live up to 50% of that, Doug. Um, <laughs> but it's so fun actually to be looking at even a Zoom crowd of people uh, because normally I'm recording this alone in a room by myself and it feels fun to talk about the Bible, but very sad to be talking about it to an imaginary room of people. So it's very nice to see you all. Um, as we look into our scripture today, I want to invite you. We're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And I just invite you as you hear the scripture read and as you reflect on the scripture this morning to uh, do one of the things that I love doing when I, I read scripture, which is ask two questions. One, what is this passage about? And the follow-up question, what does this passage say about what it's about? So what is this passage about and what does this passage say about what it's about? This is a great passage to apply this type of questioning to and, uh, and allow God to speak to us through that way. So uh, now I'll invite Becca to go ahead and uh, read our passage for the morning. All right, here we go. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near for through him, both of us have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and I'm recognizing what time it is, so I might have to uh, just blitz through this whole thing. Uh, but there's so much, uh, as, I, as I prepared uh, for this, there was so much that I wanted to just throw around and unpack with everybody, uh, but unfortunately, we don't have 10 hours to do that. So uh, I, well, I just have a few questions that come up through this that I would love for our, uh, our church and each of us individually to be uh, brought into uh, and to sort through with God. Uh, in the first couple of verses here, uh, Paul tells the church of Ephesus, tells them, commands them, instructs them to, to what? To remember. To remember that there was a time that they were without God or a time that they were far from God. And though that time may not be now, that is a time that existed and it's important for them to remember. Why would it be important for them to remember? Why would it be significant if they are Gentiles uh, by birth, which means that they were outside uh, of the community and the tribe of God, and now that they are in it, why would it be important for them to remember what it was like uh, to be outside of that tribe, outside of that family? Before we had Felix, uh, other parents, family, friends uh, would say, gosh, I don't even remember what I was doing before we had kids. I don't even remember what life was like. And I'm only a year and a little over a year and a half in, and I think I know exactly what I was doing before Felix came around. I was sleeping. <laughs> I was going out to eat. I was just doing whatever it is that I felt like doing that day. <laughs> and uh, that all evaporated very rapidly uh, when this uh, child came in. But I still remember very well what it was before Felix came along. And the reality is that life was pretty good. Celeste and I, uh, my wife, we have a great friendship. We enjoyed our time together. We had so many fun things that we got to do. Uh, but here's the thing. Life with Felix is a million times better. We had it good. We have it way better now. It's hard and I'm tired, uh, but we have it so much better now. And I think actually when I see Felix and he's having a meltdown or even when he's having a good day and I get a flash and I remember, you know what? Life didn't always include this. Life didn't always have this, these, this roller coaster every single day of, of his uh, emotions and his experiences and him making me laugh and him making me frustrated and all of these things. And I remember what that was like and it was good but this is so much better. I think actually uh, what it does is it, it, it prevents me, it protects me from uh, being complacent in my parenting. It protects me from uh, losing my sense of urgency about wanting to be present with him. Uh, it protects me from taking it for granted uh, that yeah, anyone can have kids, you know, even, you know, roaches can uh, repopulate, right? There's, uh, there's anyone. And, and no, when I see him and, I, and I'm able to remember that life didn't always include Felix, 
it reminds me of how good it is now. It, it lifts and elevates my sense of urgency, my sense of presence, uh, my sense of awareness. And I think that might be part of what's hardwired into all of us that Paul is getting after with the church of Ephesus. Remember that even if you had it good before, how good it is now. Don't lose your, don't, don't become complacent. Don't lose your urgency. Uh, don't lose your priority. Like be present right here with uh, the God who has brought you close. And that, that's where we get into verses 13 and 14, where we get to see uh, the question that I asked, what is this passage about? I think the great thing about the Bible is that um, because so many of us come from so many different backgrounds and different academic backgrounds and different life experience backgrounds, we can all read passages and we can see Christ in different ways through the same passage. And, and, but, but I think what I wanted to get after is what is the big picture here? What is this passage about? I think in verse 13 and 14, uh, it illustrates for us that this passage is about Jesus. <laughs> and that's the great Sunday school response to what is this Bible verse about? But it's true very much in this case uh, that this passage is about Christ and a specific nuance about who Christ is. Christ, who is our peace. In verse 14, it says, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Christ is our peace. So if that's what this passage is about, and then we ask the question, what does this passage say about what it's about? Lucky for us in this particular passage, he just kind of gives us a list. Paul gives us a list of what Jesus is and what Jesus does and, and how he relates to us. And if you go through this list in the verses 14 through 18, Jesus is our peace. Jesus brings groups together. Jesus breaks down dividing walls of hostility. Jesus abolishes a life with the law to create a new humanity of his peace. Jesus reconciles all groups back to God. Jesus kills hostility, puts it to death, it says. And Jesus proclaims peace. If you were doing Bible study with me and I asked you, what is this passage about and what does this passage say about what it's about? This is a, this is a softball lob, right? This is, this is a list that Paul gives us that answers this question. But what it is for us is we get uh, drawn into the scripture and as God leads us through it is not that we'd be able to answer the Sunday school questions really well, but that we would be able to see Jesus in this way that Paul is intending for the church at Ephesus to be able to see him, to see how he is, to see who he is, to see what he does, to see how he gives an example for us. It's for us to read and to follow. For us to, if we are going to be Christ followers, that means we follow his example. It means we mimic his life. It means we imitate ones who are like him in hopes of imitating him himself. And so that means that if we are to be like Christ, then that means that we are people of peace. It means that we are people that bring groups together. That means that we are ones who work to break down dividing walls of hostility. It means that we abolish life of law to create new humanities founded in Christ's peace. It means that we are working to reconcile all groups to God. It means that we are killing hostility and proclaiming peace. We are the ones who are following Christ in this example. And in Colossians 1, verses 18 through 22, he comes at it from another angle. And Paul says, he, Christ, he is the head of the body, the church. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. So if that's our Christ, the head of our church, the beginning, the firstborn, the first place in everything, who has made a way for us to be reconciled to God and co-participate with him in the making of peace, then let's stop for a moment, church, and let's ask, is this what we do? Is this the type of people that we are? Are we a church that proclaims peace? Are we a people, not just First Pres, but are we a global church that is known for bringing groups together? Are, are, are we known for the bringing and proclaiming of peace, or are we known for hostility and creating a life of law? What, are, what is alive in us, if anything, that Christ aims to put to death? Is there hostility in us that compounds and creates dividing walls that Jesus himself is the one who says, no, because of me, we can do away with all of that? Church, I want to invite all of us to ask, where can you, where can we, where can the global church be called to follow in Christ's example in this way, illustrated in this passage. If this passage is about Christ and this passage says about Christ, all of these things, that he is peace, that he brings groups together, he breaks down dividing walls and hostility, he abolishes a life of law to create a new humanity of peace, that he reconciles groups to God, he kills hostility and proclaims peace. Church, how can we become more like this Christ? How can we in our hearts have those things that oppose those be broken by him so that they can be built back up in his image? What's beautiful about this passage is that at the end in verses 19 through 22, it's not just a, uh, this passage doesn't just give us a command and a list of instructions and a, a whole bunch of, hey, you must do these things, but it actually gives us a vision for what will be created if we follow Christ in this way. And uh, it, it's the example of a house or the example of a temple, a living spiritual structure of which each of us gets to be a component. And um, I, I don't know much about building. I don't know much about building houses. Uh, I assume that uh, some of you do. Uh, maybe some of you have actually done it. Um, but uh, one thing that I know a little bit better about uh, the, that I still don't know a lot about is baking. And so when I think about uh, making peace in God's way, in the example of Christ, I think about uh, my wife's favorite reality show, which is the Great British Baking Show. I don't know if many of you have watched this. I know it's very popular. I watch it uh, and I'm lost most of the time, but I, but I do love the show because they're all just such sweet, uh, little well-mannered people. Uh, but... I think about baking in this, uh, I think what I can understand about baking really comes alive for me whenever I read the scriptures talk about making peace. And that is that uh, in baking, 
you have to gather all of the right ingredients and all of the right measurements and all of the right, uh, you know, different uh, ways. And, and, and there's different variations on those ingredients. And then you have a recipe to follow. And, and I, uh, I like barbecue, but that's, that's like two thirds intuition and one part science. And baking is very much the inverse of that. It's far more science than intuition. You have to have the, the measurements just right. And you have to have the right ingredients added at the right times or else the chemicals will, I don't know a lot about baking, but I assume that that's, that's accurate in some way that all of the things have to interplay in the right timing and in the right order. And then uh, even if you do all of those things right, you get all of the right ingredients and the right measurements and the right proportions, and you compile them all in the right way in the right order, and you put them in the oven at the right temperature for the right amount of time, you still don't know if it's going to work, do you? You still don't know, even if you follow the recipe perfectly, if you're going to get a good looking cake when it comes out of the oven, right? And so you see this in the baking show that they're stressing and they follow the recipe and they've got all the ingredients right. They put it in the oven and then they literally kneel at the oven door and you can see them, even the atheists, just praying that the cake comes out the way they hope that it will. That one that they've done everything that they know how to do and then the heat and the, the, the batter will mix in such a way and the scientific magic will happen and at the end of the time, they'll have what they hoped for. And I think this is the picture of what it looks like to be a people of peacemaking. That we gather the ingredients and we put them together. We know that we have the saving work of Jesus Christ. We know that we have the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that we have the oversight and the wisdom of the Lord. We follow the recipe which is we mimic Christ. We be people who do what he did, who say the things he said, who do the work that he did. Uh, we go out into all of the world and all of the nations and we be people who do the things that Jesus did. We follow the recipe. And then we watch and we hope and we pray that out of that, that God will build his temple that God will build his house, that God will build his spiritual structure in our world where he can dwell and all of creation will be in harmony with him. That is the hope that God has for our world that he gives us through Christ. And that is the hope that he has for us as we would be people of peace following after the example of Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have given us your word and you have given us your presence. Um, God, that we can see them, that we can see you through them, God, and that we could be changed. That you, God, uh, that, that you have the power to make us into people of peace. That you have the vision that we would be people of peace who break down the walls of hostility that exist in our hearts, that exist in our world. And God, that you would want to bring all people of our world, everyone in our life, even the people who seem the most hostile and furthest from you or furthest from us. God, that your hope is that you would bring us together side by side with Jesus as our cornerstone to become a spiritual home in this world for you. Um, God, I pray that each and every one of us as we go forth from today uh, would be moved in our hearts to become people of peace who follow after you in the way your scripture leads us. Um, Lord, we love you, and we ask you these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to another FPC podcast. We encourage you to subscribe every week. You will be receiving some of the interviews that we do, as well as the sermon, as well as some of the music that we have. And we are also including some FPC special events. We encourage you to subscribe. Thanks for listening.